0: Hello and welcome to the fourth edition of the Artsy Podcast, where three editors take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan. I'm joined by the same cast of characters as last time, Deputy Editor Alex Forbes. Hey, Isaac. And Senior Editor Tess Sakura.
1: Hey, Isaac.
0: So how's everyone's week been so far? Alex, you got back from Cologne. I feel like you're always getting back from somewhere.
2: It's true. I mean, I'm, ge- I'm getting back or going away again. Yeah. Well, was Cologne nice? It was nice. Um, I lived in Berlin for a long time, so it was nice to catch up with some old friends there. It was the 50th anniversary of the fair, so that was very exciting. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a slow burner of affairs. So it takes a little bit of time for sales to percolate, uh, but I think things went well in the end.
0: Okay, that's good to hear. Always good when things go well. Um, <laughs> Tess, how, how's your week been?
1: Um, meanwhile, I've been wasting away in an attic writing personal essays oh my God. for grad school, <laughs> quietly dying, <laughs> I, but so you've, have so you had fun. time
0: to finish O.J. Simpson?
1: I have. Okay, we can't. I, I know Alex I, is like I
0: almost there. That's can't, can't do that. we I shouldn't have. go I down that, that, rabbit that rabbit hole. Have you gotten to the glove? I did. <sighs> Darden. It's,
2: it's the, it is the latex glove over it. Though. Yeah, like that's. that's you know. There's a
0: lot of problems there. That's for another podcast, I think. I
1: think we need a whole podcast about the Masha 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 episode. That'll
0: be artsy podcast number five. Was that the haircut Co- one? coming at you. That was
1: a haircut one. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's but break
0: my heart. for this podcast, we're going to be taking a look at our 30 Emerging Artists to Watch feature that launched last week. We're going to take a little bit of a look behind the scenes and ask what exactly is an emerging artist. We'll also, you know, find some unexpected themes and dialogues that come out of a list like this in ways we didn't necessarily plan. And we'll have, ask the hard hitting questions like, if you were on a desert island, which work from the list would you want to take with you? and then lastly of course where we'll share where we will all be drinking white wine in the art world this week and what we're looking forward to so last week after months of labor scanning fairs hundreds of galleries we released our 30 emerging artists to watch this spring feature an effort spearheaded by artsy podcast alumnus molly Gottschalk. lots of diversity on this list we got 14 countries china argentina lithuania among them Um, mediums from performance art to sculpture to virtual reality artists from their early 20s to their early 40s so when you when you have something like that where there's such a range there's even among ages I think a helpful question to ask is what is an emerging artist because I think a lot of people sort of think of it as like 20 to 27 year old artist who's like in a fair for the first time I don't know maybe I think so like young talent coming into the world but, but set them straight, Alex, if anyone does think that.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think there's there's been a lot of definitions over time. I don't know. I think at this point, anybody can be emerging if you're, you know, 20, if you're 80. It's all about just where you are in your career. And I also think that, like, you know, every time you put out a list like this, somebody's going to say, oh, well, I've known about them forever. But I think there's there's a certain level of momentum we look at when we create a list like this. You know, what, what has been building on top of each other um, to make these artists be the ones that you should really pay attention to this season or, you know, going into the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think on one of our earlier lists, we had an, an artist who's actually not alive, who's emerging, Stano Filco.
2: Yeah, I think we might have had even two artists that, that had passed away on that list. Yeah. Um, which kind of proves, you know, again, like, these are, most of the time they're showing with younger galleries, but in, in both those cases they were, and you can emerge from the grave, I guess.
1: I think that also perhaps speaks to the fact that the cult of youth in the art world is is maybe on the demise totally
0: can you maybe t- like the cult of youth being um because i'm i think i'm a part of the cult of youth so i might have i might have missed this this cult happening <laughs> when what, what would you describe it
1: like? um i mean the idea that collectors are hungering after the next young hot artist who is straight out of their mfa straight out of grad school um and who's going to be the next kind of market darling
0: so that like collectors would look to try and find someone really cheap and then it was it was it a market type thing
2: yeah I mean I think from like you know between the last economic collapse and um, the slight contraction we're going through now there was this kind of crazy amount of speculation on young artists where people were coming out of their MFA program like Tess said or you know getting discovered by a gallery sometimes those galleries shaping that work in a a more market-friendly way you know from one year where it's selling for like 4,000, 5,000 next year gets brought up by a bigger gallery, 10,000, and a year later, the same work. Let's say it's 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 gone up 10 to 100 times in value in the past wow. four years.
0: That's a, yeah. That's
1: I will say, lot. though, I feel like the, there are still a lot of young artists on this list, and I feel like, there is a kind of gazing into the future with a crystal ball element to this, mm-hmm. where it's like, what are the youngest artists producing? Like, what, where is art production, what direction is it moving in? You right. know, which is interesting.
0: When we're putting this list together, and I, you know, I, I'm asking this question knowing the answer, do we think just about the market? Do we think just about, you know, art historical canon? Or is it, is it kind of a confluence of multiple things that we're... It's on our mind.
1: I think it's definitely more than the market. I mean, I think the fact that we have so many performance artists, choreographers on this list um, is testament to the fact that we're not just thinking about the market.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, when we put one of these lists together, we try to bring together a diverse set of perspectives. You know, right now, when the market is less hot, I think there are a lot of interesting practices that are coming about as have happened in moments of contraction in the past, like um, that are less commercial, you know, like, like Tess said, the choreographers that are on the list, um, uh, more installation, more kind of rigorous conceptual art that may take a slightly more accessible bent. So... You know, I think we we try to follow that trend as Mm -hmm. well in putting together a list that is meant to represent the kind of cutting edge of what's out there. There are also plenty of artists on the list like Alex Chavez or Heidi Han or Jesse Makren who, you know, make wonderful figurative paintings, uh, which is, you know, another trend that we're seeing in the market right now that you can go to a gallery or an art fair and buy, or an artsy, and buy (laughs) today and hang on your wall. So I I think, you know, we try to keep a balance there. We Mm -hmm. don't want to make it too esoteric
0: so when we're putting a list like this together and once again you know let's give credit to molly um there's obviously like a lot of thought that goes into it she has a you know giant spreadsheet that i'm afraid to look at and so i don't but, but
2: notably put together by our wonderful intern abigail who also produced the podcast and like, called i think
0: abigail 200 Kane, galleries. that is yeah i think i think she did an amazing job
1: the competent abigail the competent, <laughs> yes, <that. laughs>
0: Frequent listeners will, will remember her previous appearance as the competent Abigail. Um, but also, you know, when we're putting a list like this together, obviously there's a lot of thought that goes into making sure we capture sort of, like you said, a snapshot, because that takes effort. But I also think that there are kind of interesting dialogues that emerge that we didn't necessarily think about when we were when we were putting them together. And one of them that I noticed is between uh, American artist E. J. Hill and German artist Mario Pfeiffer. And luckily, just by pure coincidence Alex you wrote the profile on Mario and Tess you wrote the profile on EJ and I think one of the interesting things is both of these artists are kind of um, exploring issues of race directly or indirectly but before we delve too deeply into that Tess maybe you could tell us a little bit about EJ Hill because I'm sure a lot of people aren't totally familiar
1: with his work. yeah so well I should say that he's a current uh, artist in resident at the Studio Museum in Harlem And he is primarily known as a performance artist. He does very physically and emotionally intense sort of endurance-based performances, uh, such as one called The Fence Mechanisms, in which he attached himself to a metal fence with a rope and skipped over it for hours until he... I think he was skipping for about three or four hours until he collapsed on the floor... Um, And I wasn't there to see this, this was in L.A. where he's based primarily, but apparently the visitors to the gallery then sort of came rushed over to help him because he was lying, you know, collapsed on the floor.
0: Was the plan always to collapse? Is that sort of the goal of the work?
1: I think, yes. He wants to take his body and his mind to extremes where he completely exhausts himself, so... Um, in another piece, he took a 30-day vow of silence and then ended it with this guttural scream in a gallery space. So the works are really about... I, I, f- I sort of read them as a almost a form of self-erasure. They go, I think, to a very dark... Place.
0: I just imagine, like, someone who makes these works is super dark and brooding. Is he? No, <laughs> he's not.
1: He's, um, he's really lovely. He's, it was one of the loveliest interviews I've ever done, actually. Um, that's, that's
0: so nice. And Alex Mario Pfeiffer, how would you describe him?
2: So Mario's a German artist. He's based in Berlin and New York. Well, kind of. He tends to travel around the world and gets most of his source material from these research processes in various places. He says that, you know, he can't start a project without a location in a specific context. Uh, he shows with the gallery in Berlin called KOW, and is currently in Sao Paulo working on his latest f- film, uh, which is actually a film in 10 episodes called Corpo Fajado, which focuses on different religious practitioners and practices in Brazil, which is You know, a very diverse and mixed country with a very loaded racial history, also very rich spiritual practice and, you know, anything from crystal healing to lesser known religions like Ubanda. But Mario also, his most recent project with those who went to the Armory show would have seen potentially, uh, was called Blacktivist. Uh, He worked with a hip-hop group from Bushwick called the Flatbush Zombies on basically creating a music video for their track. They kind of collaborated on creating this track.
0: Which you call the most popular, potentially the most popular piece of video. It has
2: been viewed 2.5 million times on YouTube. So I, I think, you know, since it came out in September, I couldn't find another video piece of video art that has ever been viewed that many times.
1: On activists, I hold she the LFD, but that ain't for the matrix. Actually, bitch, my stroke is immaculate. I said and say i a freshy as a acid trip. Just me and a rusty burner. Shout out to Smurda, shout out to Rowdy. My mind is cloudy. Stay with iron around me like Robert Downey. Don't you doubt me, sing like LeBron, watch me switch my mouth? Puts together
2: all these very loaded images. There's um, footage of Eric Garner meeting his death at the hands of the NYPD, uh, Robert Downey Jr is a, there's a clip of him in blackface from Tropic Thunder, President Obama or I guess a CGI version of President Obama gets his head lobbed off by ISIS which is played by the Flapper Zombies who are standing in front of a Confederate flag that's been kind of merged with a ISIS flag. It sounds
0: incendiary. Sounds a little.
2: It's in it's incendiary but it's not I don't I don't know if it's incendiary. I think it's it's just kind of provocative and one of the other interesting things in it is he went to the defense distributed plant, which is these people that were doing the 3D printed guns that caused this big uproar around, like, if you can download a gun, then any, f- any felon can have a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, uh, he went there, and, and that's in the two-channel version of the video, the music video plays, and then there's also this kind of more, slightly more in-depth version and, and looking at especially the defense distributed aspect of, of the video.
0: So you you've kind of said that Pfeiffer sort of serves up truths without commenting on it. So yes, he serves up truths about his subjects without commenting on them. So there's no comment in this video. Is that what you mean by that?
2: Well, I think the comment is that of the flapper zombies. So I think Mm. you know, when I was speaking with Mario, he said he his impetus was to work with rap musicians. He was really interested in, in working with them. He'd worked with, um, Noto electronic musician Cameron Seghetti on his previous film. So he wanted to make a music video with rap musicians in New York. He sat down with Eric Arc Elliott in New York at the start of this process, and Eric basically said that, you know, this was in the heat of the Black Lives Matter movement. He says, you know what, I'm black, I live in New York, I feel oppressed, that's how I feel, and wants to make that visible. So one of the things that's always interested me about art and, and what I find to be some of the most interesting art that's out there is, is times when people are pointing towards something but aren't commenting on it directly. I think, mm. you know, it's, it's like a, if you tell someone how to think about something, if they don't think the way that you think already, they're probably not gonna change their mind. But if you just present things as a series of facts or a series of perspectives, there's a I think, personally, I think there's a lot greater opportunity to change opinions. Mario's trying, or after he's done in Sao Paulo, he's going to go back to Germany to Dresden, his hometown, which spawned the Pegida movement, which is a far-right Islamophobic movement, and speak with some of the members of that, you know, not transmit their ideas directly as he has done in Brazil and in New York. But again, try to break down their belief system through this very, like, long conversation method of of getting to, you know, the core of, of what somebody's about.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that you that you mentioned about Mario in that he's sort of like into research and sort of taking maybe more of a distance position from from his subject matters. I mean, EJ Hill in your profile tests says some very different things. I mean, he's a a black man, he's a queer man, and this is a very lived yeah. I mean, the two him. I
1: think the two practices are very different, very very different in terms of media um, and subject matter. I mean, they you know EJ Hill although. These performances are really, I think, an expression of his interior world and very much based on his experiences in the world being black and queer. He's inserting his own body into these performances. There's just a personal aspect to that that is obviously very different from Mario Pfeiffer, who's a white man. So, you know, I feel like we also need to acknowledge at this point that everyone in this room is white, especially since we're talking about race. Um, so we are sort of lacking a voice of color in this conversation. Alex, was, I, I, reading your piece, I think his his practice is super interesting, but I had a few moments of, like, raised eyebrows, and I wonder, I'm hoping you can assuage some of my <laughs> doubts, but I just had a question about whether there's an element of hubris here, of sort of going into these communities, and, you know, when he sa- he says something like, you know, speak through me, and I will bring you a global audience, and I thought, do these religious communities in Brazil want a global audience?
2: I mean, I think he he works very closely with the communities. He develops a high level of trust over a period of time. Um, one of the things that he was talking about was that there's a lack of trust in the journalistic community there. And as an artist approaching this as an art project, and also you know he always gives an artist fee to the people he works with and produces something that they can use. So, for example, in Brazil, you know these episodes about these various uh, religious practitioners will be given to them to use as promotional materials or otherwise to kind of visualize what they're doing. And I, I think there's an element of research based practice that I suppose someone could say is exploitative, but I, I feel like, you know, art has always taken a flashlight and shown it in the corners of places that like most people who go and experience art don't see. And I would find it hard to believe that that's a bad thing to do. I, I, if someone was to go and take advantage of somebody and do all these videos and then have a big thing about how all these people are stupid idiots who, like, you know, believe yeah. silly things and whatever, like, <laughs> that would probably be pretty exploitative. That would be pretty bold. But various, uh, you know, he says, I take everything they say as valid. It may not be true, but it's valid, and he believes that for them it's, it's a reality and that's worth expressing to the world.
0: So if any of our listeners want to actually see some of this work, where would be the best place to do that, Tess?
1: Uh, so the Artist-in-Residence show opens at the Studio Museum in Harlem in July. I'm not sure of the exact day, but... Um, I think mid around mid July, so you Sounds can see like a EJ long Hills. Time to wait, but I know, we'll have to, we'll um, have to do but it. EJ Hill will have uh, an installation, a big installation piece, and he will also have some performance works. so he's keeping them under wraps as to what they will be for cool. now.
2: And for Mario, so Mario, you can actually go onto Artsy and see an exclusive preview trailer of Fechado, uh that Mario gave us to give a little sneak peek into what he's been working on in Sao Paulo. The Blacktivist video is available in, on there as well and at YouTube all the time. But yeah, and he had, he had work at our Cologne last week. The big show will be in actually in September in Leipzig. Stay tuned.
0: So let's pretend that we are collectors for a minute and we're coming across this list. Uh, only we're on collectors on some desert island. If we could pick one work from any artist on this list to, for our desert island gallery, who would it be? I know this is you guys have been preparing for this question for a long time. A lot of effort went into each one of these answers. Tess, who would it be?
1: Well, there is an artwork that looks like it should be on a desert island. Um, it's a work by the Czech artist Anna Hulakova. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name correctly. But she makes these sort of totemic, ritualistic figures. They're scary. Looking. Um, and one of them is like this deranged sort of rope Figure. Why would you want that on his that, I mean, I just feel like <laughs> as I slowly lost my mind and sunk into madness, it would he'd make a good friend. Might you're, haunt
2: you, but I, I feel like it would be kind of terrifying. Just if you're losing your mind.
1: I think I think that you know it w- he would be a friend. He'd be like a like, kindred
0: spirit. Like, like Tom Hanks, kind of. He's your Wilson, exactly. A little bit, but exactly. Sort of more terrifying. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Alex. So I think I would take the artist duo Palace Empire, because uh, their whole practice is based around kind of repurposing the interiors of this Romanian castle. Uh, so I think they might be able to take the desert island environment and really, you know, create a create Practical. a nice. I like that. Tess
0: is planning for her gradual descent into. Yeah, Maddie. I'm being pragmatic. <laughs> I'm going like, for the long haul. How can we, you know, make this work?
2: You know, they're 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 really cool. I've been following their work for a while. Uh, we're actually gonna have an artsy on site uh, at their gallery event trip during gallery week in Berlin. But yeah, desert island. Me and Palace Empire, I think it's going to be great.
0: I'm also going in the practical direction. I think I would love some of Rachel Rawson's uh, virtual reality pieces because if they worked, that would mean that I would have electricity.
2: And that would be great. So do you think Rachel Rawson, like, automatically comes with a generator? That's just, like, part of her thing.
0: <laughs> I, I'm realizing now that it actually doesn't make any sense because even if I have electricity but only virtual reality, like, I can't use it for anything else I don't know maybe your practicality move was better than mine but I don't know maybe also virtual reality I can like escape the island put it on I think it does come with a generator
2: you're just going for a quicker descent into madness than Tess
0: yes I found a happy medium um (laughs) between both of you (laughs) all right so before we go where in the art world are you guys going to be drinking white wine this week Alex let's start with you this time
2: so I'm going to do my usual of like where I'm where i'm going but on thursday of next week i'm gonna fly to las vegas for a music and art and tech conference called further future um it's in the desert a little bit outside of las vegas and it's in the desert it is in the desert this is like the,
0: perfect for the desert island artist thing this is, i, I could bring happening. palace
2: empire there they, yeah. would, they would fit right in so i'm pretty excited about that i think it's there's going to be a lot of like cultural luminaries and technology luminaries speaking, some exceedingly good music, and uh, some art too.
0: That sounds really exciting. Is it just one day, or? It's three days. Okay. But you don't stay in the
2: desert, do you? Uh, yeah, you do. Whoa.
1: In a tent, or is it glamping?
2: Well, the, the tents <laughs> are pretty glampy as, as they are, but uh, no, I think I of think an RV.
0: And Tess, what are you looking forward to?
1: Um, I'm going to go to this, hopefully, going to go to this thing at the Guggenheim, which is... I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's sort of like a performative lecture thing okay. um, happening from 9 p.m. till 4 a.m. at the Guggenheim Saturday night, I know, which that's is like way later than I've stayed up in the last like two years, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've never been up that late, so I don't know. But it's, uh, it's <laughs> dealing with actually a subject <laughs> that's that relates... Not true, that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's dealing with a subject that relates to our list, actually, because it's about making art as a collaborative duo. So, it's related to the Guggenheims retrospective of works by Fishley and Weiss, who are the uh, sort of irreverent Swiss artist duo. So, as part of this event, they have like Inez and Venude, the fashion photographers, um, Diller and Scafidio, who are an architect's partnership, um, Elm Green and Dragset, all of these major mm-hmm. um, cultural figures who work in collaboration. But- in we still Duos. we're not
0: totally sure what like will there be. I think they're
1: speaking yeah. and there's people before like Matthew Barney is coming with one of his a composer that he works is, with. Is
0: there a reason it's so like at these very strange hours?
1: Well, I think because it might get a bit ravey. That's what I'm hoping. Rave <laughs> <laughs> in the rotunda.
2: Some yeah. that? nice yeah. alliteration. Because there's
1: like like Fisher Spooner is pl- You know, is, which apparently is a collaborative duo. I thought Fisher Spooner was one person.
0: Okay. So this could become a giant dance party.
1: Maybe. I'm taking my mom. So. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> that's, that's a brave mom. Well, if there's a descent into madness, you know, let us know. Um, and for me, I will be going, I'm about to go tra- traveling too. Um, I'm going to Chicago. I'm planning to see the Van Gogh exhibition at the Art Institute there with my grandmother. We're going to go around. Apparently they've created like, I think it's, it's an Airbnb, so I don't think it'll actually be there, but a room, a bedroom that looks just like one of Van Gogh's bedrooms. But the possibility of like there being an actual bedroom at a museum for me to take like a little nap would be nice. I don't think that's going to happen though. And then so, I'm do going to get tired when you look at art. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, standing on your feet for a long time. It's very exhausting uh-huh. to sit down. Uh, I'm very, I'm an old man.
2: Then I'm also <laughs> going to, <laughs>
0: then I'm also going to, after that Detroit to cover the new museums idea city initiative. You know, I'm going to think about some of the issues that we were raised in this podcast about uh, what it's like to just research something from a distance. I'm obviously not from Detroit, but yeah, I'm really excited to do that. It's, it's sort of this five day, uh, conference collaboration residency where a bunch of people from a bunch of different sort of fields, uh, are coming together to kind of think creatively about, uh, Detroit's future. And they're also partnering with the city. So there's some, some sort of official heft to it. Okay. So that's all we have time for. The good news is before we go, The Artsy Podcast is now on iTunes. So please go check it out. It's also on your favorite podcasting app, you know, Stitcher, Downcast, Pocket Cast, whichever one you use. Um, And please remember to leave us a rating as it helps other people discover the podcast. Just want to thank Alex and Tess for joining me today. Um, I want to thank our producer, Joe Sykes, and our intern, Abigail Kane, who, as we praised during the middle of the podcast, also was very instrumental in putting together the emerging artists feature. So thanks and see you next time.